Section six of Selections from the Principles of Philosophy by Rene Descartes, translated by John Veitch. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by phone. Part two of the Principles of Material Things. One. The grounds on which the existence of material things may be known with certainty. Although we are all sufficiently persuaded of the existence of material things, yet since this was before called in question by us and since we reckon the persuasion of their existence as among the prejudices of our childhood it is now necessary for us to investigate the grounds on which this truth may be known with certainty in the first place then it cannot be doubted that every perception we have comes to us from some object different from our mind for it is not in our power to cause ourselves to experience one perception rather than another the perception being entirely dependent on the object which affects our senses it may indeed be matter of inquiry whether that object be god or something different from god but because we perceive or rather stimulated by sense clearly and distinctly apprehend certain matter extended in length breadth and thickness the various parts of which have different figures and motions and give rise to the sensation we have of colour smells pain etc god would without question deserve to be regarded as a deceiver if he directly and of himself presented to our mind the idea of this extended matter or merely caused it to be presented to us by some object which possessed neither extension figure nor motion for we clearly conceive this matter as entirely distinct from god and from ourselves or our mind and appear even clearly to discern that the idea of it is formed in us on occasion of objects existing out of our minds to which it is in every respect similar but since god cannot deceive us for this is repugnant to his nature as has already been remarked we must unhesitatingly conclude that there exists a certain object extended in length breadth and thickness and possessing all those properties which we clearly apprehend to belong to what is extended and this extended substance is what we call body or matter two how we likewise know that the human body is closely connected with the mind we ought also to conclude that a certain body is more closely united to our mind than any other because we clearly observe that pain and other sensations affect us without our foreseeing them and these the mind is conscious do not arise from itself alone nor pertain to it in so far as it is a thing which thinks but only in so far as it is united to another thing extended and movable which is called the human body but this is not the place to treat in detail of this matter three that the perceptions of the senses do not teach us what is in reality in things but what is beneficial or hurtful to the composite whole of mind and body it will be sufficient to remark that the perception of the senses are merely to be referred to this intimate union of the human body and mind and that they usually make us aware of what in external objects may be useful or adverse to this union but do not present to us these objects as they are in themselves unless occasionally and by accident for after this observation we will without difficulty lay aside the prejudices of the senses and will have recourse to our understanding alone on this question by reflecting carefully on the ideas implanted in it by nature four that the nature of body consists not in weight hardness colour and the like but in extension alone in this way we will discern that the nature of matter or body considered in general does not consist in its being hard or ponderous or coloured or that which affects our senses in any other way 
but simply in its being a substance extended in length breadth and depth for with respect to hardness we know nothing of it by sense farther than that the parts of hard bodies resist the motion of our hands on coming into contact with them but if every time our hands moved towards any part all the bodies in that place proceeded as quickly as our hands approached we should never feel hardness and yet we have no reason to believe that bodies which might thus recede would on this account lose that which makes them bodies the nature of body does not therefore consist in hardness in the same way it may be shown that weight colour and all other qualities of this sort which are perceived in corporeal matter may be taken from it itself meanwhile remaining entire it thus follows that the nature of body depends on none of these five that the truth regarding the nature of body is obscured by the opinions respecting rarefaction and a vacuum with which we are preoccupied there still remain two causes to prevent its being fully admitted that the true nature of body consists in extension alone the first is the prevalent opinion that most bodies admit of being so rarefied and condensed that when rarefied they have greater extension than when condensed and some even have subtilized to such a degree as to make a distinction between the substance of body and its quantity and between quantity itself and extension the second cause is this that when we conceive only extension in length breadth and depth we are not in the habit of saying that body is there but only space and further void space which the generality believes to be a mere negation six in what way rarefaction takes place but with regard to rarefaction and condensation whoever gives his attention to his own thoughts and admits nothing of which he is not clearly conscious will not suppose that there is anything in those processes further than a change of figure in the body rarefied or condensed so that in other words rare bodies are those between the parts of which there are numerous distances filled with other bodies and dense bodies on the other hand those whose parts approaching each other either diminish these distances or take them wholly away in the latter of which cases the body is rendered absolutely dense the body however when condensed has not therefore less extension than when the parts embrace a greater space owing to their removal from each other and their dispersion into branches for we ought not to attribute to it the extension of the pores or distances which its parts do not occupy when it is rarefied but to the other bodies that fill these interstices just as when we see a sponge full of water or any other liquid we do not suppose that each part of the sponge has on this account greater extension than when compressed and dry but only that its pores are wider and therefore that the body is diffused over a larger space seven that rarefaction cannot be intelligibly explained unless in the way here proposed and indeed i am unable to discover the force of the reasons which have induced some to say that rarefaction is the result of the augmentation of the quantity of body rather than to explain it on the principle exemplified in the case of a sponge for although when air or water is rarefied we do not see any of the pores that are rendered large or the new body that is added to occupy them it is yet less agreeable to reason to suppose something that is unintelligible for the purpose of giving a verbal and merely apparent explanation of the rarefaction of bodies than to conclude because of the rarefaction that there are pores or distances between the parts which are increased in size and filled with some new body nor ought we to refrain from assenting to this explanation because we perceive this new body by none of our senses for there is no reason which obliges us to believe that we should perceive by our senses all the body in existence 
and we see that it is very easy to explain rarefaction in this manner but impossible in any other for in fine there would be as appears to me a manifest contradiction in supposing that any body was increased by a quantity or extension which it had not before without the addition to it of a new extended substance in other words of another body because it is impossible to conceive any addition of extension or quantity to a thing without supposing the addition of a substance having quantity or extension as will more clearly appear from what follows eight that quantity and number differ only in thought ratione, from that which has quantity and is numbered for quantity differs from extended substance and number from what is numbered not in reality but merely in our thought so that for example we may consider the whole nature of corporeal substance which is comprised in a space of ten feet although we do not attend to this measure of ten feet for the obvious reason that the thing conceived is of the same nature in any part of that space as in the whole and on the other hand we can conceive the number ten as also a continuous quantity of ten feet without thinking of this determinate substance because the concept of the number ten is manifestly the same whether we consider a number of ten feet or ten of anything else and we can conceive a continuous quantity of ten feet without thinking of this or that determinate substance although we cannot conceive it without some extended substance of which it is the quantity it is in reality however impossible that any even the least part of such quantity or extension can be taken away without the retrenchment at the same time of as much of the substance nor on the other hand can we lessen the substance without at the same time taking as much from the quantity or extension nine that corporeal substance when distinguished from its quantity is confusedly conceived as something incorporeal although perhaps some express themselves otherwise on this matter i am nevertheless convinced that they do not think differently from what i have now said for when they distinguish corporeal substance from extension or quantity they either mean nothing by the word corporeal substance or they form in their minds merely a confused idea of incorporeal substance which they falsely attribute to corporeal and leave to extension the true idea of this corporeal substance which extension they call an accident but with such impropriety as to make it easy to discover that their words are not in harmony with their thoughts Ten what space or internal place is space or internal place and the corporeal substance which is comprised in it are not different in reality but merely in the mode in which they are wont to be conceived by us for in truth the same extension in length breadth and depth which constitutes space constitutes body and the difference between them lies only in this that in body we consider extension as particular and conceive it to change with the body whereas in space we attribute to extension a generic unity so that after taking from a certain space the body which occupied it we do not suppose that we have at the same time removed the extension of the space because it appears to us that the same extension remains there so long as it is of the same magnitude and figure and preserves the same situation in respect to certain bodies around it by means of which we determine this space eleven how space is not in reality different from corporeal substance and indeed it will be easy to discern that it is the same extension which constitutes the nature of body as of space and that these two things are mutually diverse only as the nature of the genus and species differs from that of the individual provided we reflect on the idea we have of any body taking a stone for example and reject all that is not essential to the nature of body 
in the first place then hardness may be rejected because if the stone were liquefied or reduced to powder it would no longer possess hardness and yet would not cease to be a body colour also may be thrown out of account because we have frequently seen stones so transparent as to have no colour again we may reject weight because we have the case of fire which though very light is still a body and finally we may reject cold heat and all other qualities of this sort either because they are not considered as in the stone or because with the change of these qualities the stone is not supposed to have lost the nature of body after this examination we will find that nothing remains in the idea of body except that it is something extended in length breadth and depth and this something is comprised in our idea of space not only of that which is full of body but even of what is called void space twelve how space differs from body in our mode of conceiving it there is however some difference between them in the mode of conception for if we remove a stone from the space or place in which it was we conceive that its extension also is taken away because we regard this as particular and inseparable from the stone itself but meanwhile we suppose that the same extension of place in which the stone was remains although the place of the stone be occupied by wood water air or by any other body or be even supposed vacant because we now consider extension in general and think that the same is common to stones wood water air and other bodies and even to a vacuum itself if there is any such thing provided it be of the same magnitude and figure as before and preserve the same situation among the external bodies which determine this space thirteen what external place is the reason of which is that the words place and space signify nothing really different from body which is said to be in place but merely designate its magnitude figure and situation among other bodies for it is necessary in order to determine the situation to regard other bodies which we consider as immovable and according as we look to different bodies we may see that the same thing at the same time does and does not change place for example when a vessel is being carried out to sea a person sitting at the stern may be said to remain always in one place if we look to the parts of the vessel since with respect to these he preserves the same situation and on the other hand if regard be had to the neighbouring shores the same person will seem to be perpetually changing place seeing he is constantly receding from one shore and approaching another and besides if we suppose that the earth moves and that it makes precisely as much way from west to east as the vessel from east to west we will again say that the person at the stern does not change his place because this place will be determined by certain immovable points which we imagine to be in the heavens but if at length we are persuaded that there are no points really immovable in the universe as will hereafter be shown to be probable we will thence conclude that nothing has a permanent place unless in so far as it is fixed by our thought. End of section six.